out there the people must be be careful although you never know that it is coming but uh, I hope this um, series is gonna help anybody else out there who is in the same situation because there is a lot of people me to them saying that I've been saved I'm very happy but there is a lot of people suffering out there they need help like this like I've been helped uh, for me it's like to ask anyone else who need to help can help so that the people can be free everybody deserves to be free rather than to be suffering Here first-hand encounters of how brutal and degrading human trafficking can be. I am joined by two survivors who share their tale of human trafficking. One, a victim of slave labor, labor trafficking and exploitation. The other who was groomed into illegal gambling and the adult sex industry. It's inspiring to listen to how both have triumphantly endured this and moved onwards into the future with hope. Cindy, how are you today? Ah, uh, I'm good. And you? I'm wonderful. I'm better now that you're here. And yeah. welcome into studio, Booth James. Hello, Sissy. How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm fine, thank you. Oh, so, Booth James, uh, take us back to the wonderful days in Zimbabwe before you came looking for employment in South Africa. Tell us about you. In Can Zimbabwe. I say Malawi because? Is it Malawi? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, so, but James, take us to the great days in Malawi before you came to South Africa for employment. Tell us about your life there. Mm, my life when I was young, it was very good because my father was a farmer eh? before this democracy. Because this democracy is like something went long eh? because the democracy has bring a lot of stuff which... Some of them we need them. Some some of them for me, I, I don't think we need them because when I was young, I went to school. From there, I was doing good. To be honest, since I was young, I, school I was doing good, and my wish, my wishes then it was like I can become a soldier or, or a policeman. And then when I finished, because there is primary and high school, so. Um, when I done the primary thing, I went to high school. It's where I met with my wife there. Because she was at the primary, me, I was at the top. So my father was doing good at then. But then when democracy came and changed, and then everything went like that, my father couldn't afford to buy fertilizer to farm because we, we farm tobacco there. Uh, we farm cows, um, different of stuff. With fertilizer. So when I can say in our president, um, Dr. Tanguazne, comes back and left the government when they, they, they voted for new president, this Bakir everything went bad. From west to bad, ne? So my father couldn't afford, and then he came here. He didn't stay long time, I'm sure, because he knew that this situation is not good. And then, when he says, you, you must come here because I can't afford to pay school because now primary was free, but up there you got to pay school fees. Lucky enough, I was first born. I've got my siblings, they're all young to me. So I was like, 
on top of that and then say, yeah, you must come here. You take over from me, maybe it can, you can support the family, me, maybe I must just stay home because I'm old. So we did exactly that. And then my father didn't stay a long time with that man. He stayed with him maybe like less than six months. So when I left my, my, my kid there, I was very happy that, no, because I'm going to be back and then I'm going to make money there. So it's going to be simple for me. I will be sending money while I'm getting in the bad situation. So I just came there and uh, everything started on that. But uh, in Malawi, it was a happy time. Was it, was it a good time in Malawi with, with yeah, wife and yeah. making family? Mm. Because they, when uh, I stopped my school there, eh? and then I get married, my father paid cows mm. for me. Eh? Good, good yeah, I paid a lot to my, to my wife. <laughs> eh? Cows, not just. Yeah. So it was, it was very happy. And seeing my firstborn growing up, up to two years, six months, it was very nice. And my daughter was six months then. It was uh, very happy. Yeah, so from there when I came here, and that's why I was being very angry inside that. I've got my son, I just see my son uh, for two years and that, and then now I can't even see them. And I was very angry inside my my head. I was, if I would go to maybe somewhere in a sweater camp like that, Drinking with the people there. One mistake a person make mm. to me when he's drinking, I'll beat it's him right. up. I know. Yeah, I'll beat him up. And I then know. it was like um, all the people that he, now they can see that I've changed. Eh? Because mm. one mistake they was making and then I'll beat them up. Mm. I was not afraid of fighting. I used mm. to fight a lot. And by me sleeping outside nighttime, I've been... People that have been pointing guns on, on me maybe more than four times. Né? So at the first time, it hurts a lot that I, I was about to kill. Mm. But the following and third, like that, it was like, anyway, it's going to happen because I'm not going to stop sleeping. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to stop. Yeah, there's nothing I can do. If um, I need to die, I must die. If not... Mm. It's like that. It's like I'm useless, so there's nothing that I've got. So I was crying that one day I would die, but I would mm. never see my kids. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, now I'm, I, I went home. Ne? Mm. Now I've got maybe um, because I went there August ne? last year, August. Yeah, I went home there. Although it was also, I was in process to be. Already going home because the whole prison took me to home affairs wow. to apply my, my passport like that. So, and then while they preparing for me, and then bad thing happened again because I had my brother. Uh, it was, I, it was coming from their friends, and then mm. they thought chase him, and then they hit him and die. So, so it was like a, the good thing is happening this time, this side, and the bad thing is happening this I'm side sorry. because already my wife was, um, by then my wife already sent my wife home for a month for the first time she went there. So it was like when she comes, 
she's gonna stay and then after that me also I'm gonna go there again. But while my wife is still there, she was just there for like a four days and then here yeah, the bad thing happened, my brother I lost my brother then. So and then I had to wait until a month and then because of the help that they, they did support mm. me to take somebody home when he's dead. It's quite difficult, but it was good. But on the on process of that, because I was already on the way to go home to see my kids, I was very excited mm. to see my kids. I can tell you if I see my boys, you know, I, we can tell, we can tell, my the pride bo- and joy. Now is 18 and some oh, wow. my first but my daughter, she's 15. Eh? Yeah. That's beautiful. And the one was born here in, in South Africa, she, he's in 9 or 10, but the last born, because my wife, when I, when I was saying that when my mother-in-law passed away there, she went there, but she was only, she was just pregnant for like um, two months, and then she went there. And then I said, you mustn't come until you deliver, and then until the baby, yeah. <laughs> and then he came there, but uh, and then those, he, he, he those... He looks so happy when he speaks of his family. Yeah, okay, so, thank you so much. I, I think we've got... Can we now just get into the job? How... Okay how you met the perpetrator, what he told you you were going to be doing, and just the beginning of working on the okay. So, at the beginning of the on the work, it was like, um, my father, he, was, he told me, my father, that this guy, because we got nothing to do, so you will see, just work. Maybe something is going to come up, you're going to leave and find another job. So the guy he told me that uh, your father left you in mm. my hands, so you must listen what I say. If not, I'm gonna uh, fix you up. And the first time I thought that ah, maybe just like that. And then because the job I knew that it's gonna be garden. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing garden. But mm. uh, and then after that. I saw the money, it was very late. Mm. Because there's some people who, they were here already by that time that we're coming from the same area. You could see what they're doing because they, they got good bosses, ne? what they could uh, buy, what they could send home. Because if they send something home or money home, uh, the good news goes quicker ne, than the bad thing. And then... Uh, my family, they, they say, what does he do in South Africa like that? Mm. He forget like that. My own mother was just crying, mm. even my father. So it was worse because my, my family, even my, my wife, and I thank God to, to give me a wife like that because I can tell you that uh, there's a lot of ladies that they've lost marriage. Because of just maybe two uh, two years, three years, but for me it was like uh, the first time. It was like the five years. Ne? Mm. My wife waiting for me there. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't even afford to bring her. Yeah, but mm. I I did it. It was uh, by then the passport there. It was cheaper. I had to send money there, and I had to sell the car to bring my wife here. But it was quite difficult. Because the guy couldn't pay me. And then 
comes my wife also and then he gave my wife to 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 dig to make a new garden but with a pick and for sure so just imagine her ready to do that um because she's strong because in, in Malawi there we farm now with this like that mm. so i think that was part of that then because we were, we already do that at home and then he saw that and then he took an advantage on that that the ladies in Malawi they're very strong because they can farm so mm. she's going to do the same here mm. while well, mm. me he's going to send me to do maybe like loafing I dangerous stuff. Yeah, at night. Mm. He would uh, build the house, ne? Mm. But I'm gonna do all myself uh, the little thing. Maybe they can just bring all the woodwork thing, ne? And then I'll once it's on top of there, me I'll do it everything from there. Maybe bring the tiles from down to the bottom. I'll do on my own, do everything. If it's the ceiling, you just buy a ceiling board. I'll do that on my own. If electric cable, whatever to join, whatever, I'll do it on my own. From there, I'll do the painting. I'll do the floor on my own. So sometimes, if I start like seven o'clock, I'll end up maybe like eight o'clock night time. You go, but early in the morning again, I must wake up again to do the job. There's no hot water; it's mm. just the cold water. Mm. So it was like, uh, because you get used to it. So it was like, uh, not, not bad. Living like it was an like, animal. Yeah, it's like, uh, like maybe animal. everyone else lives like this. So that's Living why I'm like saying that the guy didn't know that he's making me to be a stronger person because uh, now I know that, uh, no, 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 it was not good. It was not good. I used to cry. So the guy couldn't give a damn that I don't know, maybe feeling sorry for me, you know, calling me these names, Kaffa, whatever. So for me, as a foreigner, I can't go to the police. Who's going to help? Who I am? And then I was just keeping quiet. One time when I said I wanted to beat him up, I told him that I'm going to beat you. He said, you, 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 me, I'm going to shoot you. He took his gun. So you see this, I'm going to shoot you. And there's nothing you can do because I'm very rich and you can't go to the police. And also, to be honest, I was also afraid to go to the police. What I'm going to say, oh, they're going to just arrest me and put me to Lindera there. Well, also Lindera there is not good. Ne? I had my, my little brother also came here uh, after six months, he was arrested and they put him there in Lindera. He stays there for like a month, they deport him home. He went there, he, he was sick for more than a year, mm. and he was about to die. Mm. But the guy now, he doesn't want to even talk about South Africa coming here because they treat mm. the very bad also, ne? the part of the government. They're treating us as like a, not a human being, might be mm. like he just, yeah, because I've been there, Quite some time because after that, what I did is while I'm in that trouble, I went to Home Affairs to apply for um, an asylum. Mm. Yeah, so they gave me that. They used to renew. Mm. Yeah, until now they say we don't we don't help the Malawians. That's and then 
also the things get got worse. Yeah, so lucky enough for hope reason it came on the time that he, I'm about to lose also an asylum, you see. Because by the time when I went there to get that, I was free because I could go to the police wherever. He was a little bit afraid of me by the time because he knew that I can go anywhere to complain and then uh, they could help me. But when he had that, they're going to stop the thing. And then when also he was starting this, so, and then he, he didn't know that maybe me, I'm connected with the opposition. Uh, you see, and then it didn't take a long time when they came to they rescue. Came. Yeah. So Cindy, mm-hmm. the casino days. The casino days. Who the casino days? The casino days is actually. It's it's like. To me, it was a new thing, and it was the thing. I mean, like casino people, mm. it was just looking at them. I thought, you know, and like maybe the bad part of it is that I actually started on the. Illegally casino. Do you still remember? Or oh, you were young by then? I'm, uh, I, I'm older than I look, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you know, older than like, I look, girl. Um, after <laughs> 90, like Mandela, when like was released, there was just this illegally casino that people were just opening. Opening up in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. And, you know... As much as like I wasn't trained with them, like I was trained by Sun International, but then they were as a pay- croupier. Yeah, as a croupier. Yeah. By then, we used to call ourselves croupiers, but now yeah. they are calling dealers. You know what I'm talking about? So what was happening there? They were paying more, but yes. then if like we were away, like what is happening? Like what I'm saying that a uh, human trafficking sometimes. You do it like not knowing, like, you know what, this is wrong. But we should be like aware of like what is going on because they, they were paying like more than what Sun International is paying us. So that was the first sign, you know, that, yes, mm, but mm, we couldn't. But mm. more, more than that, in those casinos, they were like brothels. There were even like croupiers whereby you can just go and deal the topless. You know, mm, all those things is mm, still like, mm, say, come, come, mm, come, come, come. You know, mm, like when we are used to those things, mm, you end up like thinking that everything that you're mm, doing, it's right. Mm. And then um, take us through the, 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 the days and the nights or the nights and today's of, uh, of, the casino life. Yeah. The days and nights. Casino life is just twenty four seven. There's no days and nights or mm. you know, sometimes you'll go you go through that sometimes, but eventually you alas maybe you need like mm. to rest mm. and all that. But then it went to a point whereby they closed the illegally casinos, then the new casino started mm-hmm. and we apply, we got the job. Mm-hmm. I had like to work quite a while, mm-hmm. but still, you know, some stuff happened. I ended up leaving and mm-hmm. more into, you mm-hmm. know, trafficking. Mm-hmm. 
doing all what mm. the requirements are. In essence, really what I want to get to the crux of is how Hope Risen really prepares and heals people to go back and lead as normal lives as possible back into society. And where are you at now after a horrific past? What is life and what is the meaning in life for the two of you? So, Sister Cindy, take us back to uh, the beginning of everything. It's actually too much to say, but going to just start with like maybe few and some along, you know. Whatever you're comfortable with. So what I, I can say is like, as Cindy, along where I'm coming from, I've been like, my journey has like been difficult, I will say. But through some stuff that maybe I should have known or some of it I knew, but I just ignore to like maybe take a note of it. What does the name human trafficking mean to you? What does exploitation mean to you? What does, when you, when I say them, what do you think? You know, at first you won't like realize that like human trafficking, uh, trafficking it's, it is because like people, they come with like undercover to you, like, mm. They come nice and at the end, mm. dearly, you need to, you know, you find, when you find yourself in it, then that's where now you are in a bondage. You are being exploited. You are, you, you can't like even like tell anybody about it. How old were you when these experiences happened? I would say as like my teen, because it's been like that until like, Finally, I broke down and like up to nothing. I know that part of your story included, you know, excessive gambling, adult themed environments, um, having to find a living doing what you needed to do. And, uh, you know, if like even in there, sometimes it's, I don't know what you, you get more confused. It's all about like, okay. This is it. I have to do this. But at the end of the day, it's not exactly that. It's just something else. And whereby you come to a point where you feel like, you know what, I, I don't want to live anymore. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And at w- first you do that like it excites. Maybe you start like doing it once. Mm. Then you think, mm. then you want to do it. You do it. You do it. And... It ends up being like not nice, but you still don't know how to stop it. And you come to a point whereby you say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Were drugs and alcohol part of this environment and this lifestyle? I don't think that sometimes you, you think it's wrong. There is a part whereby you think what you're doing is right. Even if you die, it's fine. You're just doing it like to fulfill, like me, I was like, now I'm just fulfilling what the Bible say, that if you sing, you shall sing until, you know. Sing until when? Until you die. Like if you don't want to repent. Mm. 
Mm. I don't know if you, there is some kind of a scripture like that, but I remember there is like for those who sins mm. and they don't want to repent while they know that they're sinning. Me, I was that at that stage that now I sin and I'm aware that I am sinning. So I know that if I die, I'm just going straight to her. Mm. And, but James. Yes. Take us back. Your, your story is, um, not necessarily about human trafficking, but it's about labor exploitation. Yes. Um, Tell us about your story. I know it's, uh, to explain it's too long, but uh, I'll cut it in short. My story mm. started when I came here. From long, where? Uh, from home, long time ago. It's like a, um, around the 2000 or 2001. And then, because my father also was here. So and then my father said, no, I can't take this anymore. I'm going home. So I was young then because uh, also my father didn't know that this is going to happen like this. Also, I had no idea by, by that time that he, how things work here in South Africa. So the guy gave me a job. By me getting that job, it was like um, the salary. He was giving me very little. But the job mm-hmm. that I can do... Job was a job at that point. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, yeah, but the, the guy who didn't pay me. Mm. And the guy used to shout me a lot, even clap me because I, by then I was a little bit uh, young. younger. Yeah, yeah so um, the guy used to abuse me a lot, even call me these names for mm. like a kafa like that. Mm. So by then I didn't know that. But somebody within their family, mm. when they had like parties, mm. yeah, because I had to be like. Uh, what were you doing in this environment? You were doing housework. You were gardening. I was doing. I was doing garden. Yeah. Yeah, but instead to do the garden, boy, I was just like anything mm. to do different jobs. Dangerous he, jobs. Yeah, that he can pay me more, more than correct. Yeah. But he couldn't do that. And you were staying at this person's house? I was staying there. With your wife? By then, my wife was not there. Oh, okay. Because my wife had left her home. Yes. Uh, but um, it was quite some time to take me that I couldn't go home. But what I could afford is like uh, only the money, the transport for my wife to come here because uh, I saw that I can't go home because I left my, my son, my, my older son. When he was um, two years, six months, mm. my daughter left her with six months. Mm. So my feeling was like, I wish maybe I could go home. Correct. See. Or I wish I could find a job. But the problem is when I'm in, I'm in. I couldn't go out. If I'm going to go leave out. The yeah, property, yeah. yeah, because if I start seven o'clock in the morning mm. until half four. Mm. So okay, half four, I can just go to the shop. I must hurry up to come quick. Otherwise, if it's too late because I had no keys or remote for the gate. You would sleep outside. Yeah, so if I'm late, I'm going to sleep outside. So it was like short time I must go and come back. Mm. Weekend, I used to work from early in the morning, 7 o'clock up to half 12. By that time, I must go outside and come back maybe 4 o'clock because they say... Mm, uh, small horses, um, I need to feed those. But it was not part of the job. Mm. 
Yeah, so I need to come back, otherwise I'm gonna sleep outside. And you would. Uh, so by then I had no, but who can help me? And you were threatened sometimes with the dogs. Yeah, with the dog, in. with the dogs, because the dog was he was crossing them in the the, the, the gate, and then when. When That's they very come much out, part of I'm our past. We know that story. We know that kind mm. of abuse. Mm. Um, your children, where, where, and you hadn't seen your children for how long? By then, because I, I had to, to see my my son after thirteen years, ne? no, even or fourteen, I can say now. Tabitha, listening to these stories, and I know that you know they have been through Hope Risen. Um, what can you take? Note of as the diversity when it comes to the different shades and the different tones of exploitation and human trafficking, that it's not one, one size fits all. At some point, as Cindy said, she didn't know there was actually happening. Uh, 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 but James was saying that, uh, yes, he needed the work, but the extent of the working conditions, mm. how do we define when we can define or, or say something about this topic? Mm. How can we explain it to ordinary South Africans on if this is happening to you, this is what it is? Mm. It's, a, it's a good question, and I can't think of any two better stories to share than James and um, Cindy's story. Here we have two stories that were human trafficking situations but yet both so completely different. And so we have a story that talks about the grooming process that mm. took place for this young girl in her lifetime when she was a teenager, the grooming process that actually took place for her to be lured into... Seduced. Seduced, lured, and, and lied to and manipulated about to be able to get into that industry of gambling and sex and alcohol. Correct. And then we have James's story who so innocently came into our country legally and was taken full advantage of. Somebody thought that it was okay to employ someone from another country and use them how they felt that they should be used. And we know by his story that that is completely, completely wrong. So um, how did you end up in the arms, let's say, of Hope Rising, Cindy and, and, and James? Just to cut your story a bit short and to the point, how did you find each other? In fact, with me, it happens that like I ended up like staying in a shelter. Yeah. By the shelter, you know, like every day I was like, now it was like, God, if you are, help me or something. But then I met another lady that also that I didn't know that she, you know. Has we, been through. Is she, you know, like we we are just at the same page. Yeah. And then she advised me, she said, you know what, I'll take you to church somewhere. If you really want to change, Correct. you go there and, you know, the first day I set my foot there, it was like, I belong here. And like, I think I attended, I did not even have money like to go because like in my mind, I was like anything that I did, maybe I've tried to have this and that, but at this moment I've got nothing. 
So even whatever I was doing, it never paid me. It doesn't pay or it's like I'm tired. So they offered me transport money to come to church. After two weeks, this lady also again told me, said, ask them about outreach. Mm. So this person that was like on the outreach uh, ministry, he referred me to to Hope Reason. Also, to me, it's like it's more eye-opening, especially about this human trafficking that I was involved. And, you know, like I was also like now grooming people mm. to do what you did. Yeah. And you know. But James, yeah, but- tell us how you got connected to Hope Prison, how you met. Oh, tell us about that scenario. What happened? Uh, for me, it was easy because um, <laughs> I've got a friend of mine and we go to, to church together. But before, I used to go to different churches. And, oh, and so so the, your, your employees, at least you're allowed to go to church on yeah, Sundays? Yeah, Sundays. Once I go to church because um, I used to drink a lot. Ne? Yeah. And very, to be very laugh also. Ne? So when he shout me, because I've, I've stayed there for a long time now, I've grown up because um, sometimes... Um, People can see me like a simple guy, but sometimes I'm getting tough because of him. He taught me to be very tough, man. So when I came back, he was like shouting, and then I would shout back and tell him that I'm going to go to church sometimes. And then I was going to church, different churches, né? and drinking after that. And then I, I had my friend, and then he said, Sunday, can you come with me to the church? Hmm. So I said, okay. Let me come to your church. And then I went to church. And then by then, I, um, I didn't know Tafta. Mm. So we pray. And then the second Sunday, I said, ah, maybe I must just leave this church ne? and just leave the whole thing. But I was not so happy when I go to church. And then some lady in the church she came to me and said, you're not looking at you happy. Why? I said, ah. The, the first day I didn't explain. The following day, I did explain the following Sunday, and then that's why he went direct to type and introduced her to me. So when she came to me, she come and sit, and then she looked me in the eye, say, "I can help you." So I didn't help. I didn't even thought about that. So. Mm. This day, I don't know what she's talking about. Mm. She's going to just waste time on me. Mm. Yeah, like that. So, I she explained, and then I did explain the first time. and then The, the situation? F- yeah, mm. and the following Sunday again, and mm. then she came to me, and then she explained everything. That like, actually, you no, are being... We're gonna, yeah, you we're had gonna to break down, you. actually, what was what going was on. What was going on, and uh, he didn't even uh, realize. He didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But James, we want to come back to you, because what I want to speak to you, Tabitha, is about is that... Um, what are the chances um, that survivors become survivors? Either they go back or actually they don't realize that they're in the situation. What is your take on that? What is the difference between somebody who survived it or somebody who remains a victim? Well, for us, in our experience, we what we've experienced is that those that have 
come to the realization through education, through um, being, you know, having engagements with us as a foundation and have realized that they are actually being trafficked, have wanted the help. We very seldom have come across women or men that are in these situations and don't want the help. And you take, you take James's story and when we rescued James along with law enforcement, mm. because it was not easy for him to get out, he couldn't just leave. Mm. He was allowed to go to church, but he had to be back at a certain time. And if he wasn't back at a certain time, there would be dire consequences for that. And there always had to be one of them on the property. Mm. Both him and his wife could never leave the property together. It was one one. So it was part of the perpetrator's plan to make sure that they couldn't run away was keeping by keeping one of them there, never mind that his documents landed up going missing as well, you know, while he was staying there. To this day, we're also not sure how that happened. But you look at that and we have recordings of James keeping James calm on the phone every single night for six solid days. I don't know if James will remember this, but the fear that was instilled in him. And also, I think this shock that perhaps a, perhaps that there is a foundation out there that actually does care and is going to do what they say they're going to do. And that week was a long week. And to even get him out along with the police was not easy. Cindy, when do you realize that there was a future for a life that you've left behind? I realized like when I tried to get involved with this organization around me and even also like going to church. Mm. That's where I've... What was your lowest moment? Your lowest rock bottom moment, Cindy? It's when I was like staying in the shelter. And like in the shelter, is you can't call it like it's a home. Mm. And I was like, because at first I thought at least it's a shelter and it's a church shelter. Everybody there or everything that is happening, early in the morning you have to wake up. Eight o'clock you must be out. Whether it's raining or it's not raining, it's just a shelter for the night. Even if you don't know where to go, where you're going, you have to find where you're going. And I said, no, this is it. Tabitha, what happens to the perpetrators in these both of the situations? So you went to uh, James's location and basically uh, removed him with police escort. And she obviously voluntarily left the shelter. What happens to these people who you know as a foundation and organization have really perpetrated these crimes against human beings? Mm. What happens to them? So we do encourage situations where we can open up a case against mm. these perpetrators. We do that. But it's actually not that easy for them. It really isn't. And unfortunately, also our system doesn't allow for a very graceful, hopeful process or even a protective process for survivors like Cindy and James that have been trafficked. And so the chances of this going much further is more than highly unlikely. It is extremely traumatic going to court and speaking against these perpetrators. And for them to be in the journey that they're in in that moment and not even be on a restorative journey at that stage, you're adding another layers of trauma. Do we want these cases to come to light? Absolutely. We're not saying we don't want them to 
start up a case, but we want them to, but the process is just so difficult. At the same time, they're adults and they can make their own decisions. James, what was your lowest moment before you had the connection with her prison? What was your Hesh. lowest point, Budwam? My, Where you were like, I have to get out of here. My lowest point, it, it was like a other time, like um, when my wife was here. Mm. So uh, he's very clever man, eh? and he's very rich because he told me that I'm, I'm rich, you can't do anything. So I knew that, uh, yes, I can do na- anything. So Sorry, but James, and we spoke about mm. how untouchable these people mm. usually are, uh, Tabitha. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're listening. Yeah, Sorry. it's very rich. So... Um, and then he told me, you can't do anything because there, at some point I wanted to beat him up. It was quite difficult for me and then I felt like, eh, like I'm useless. I'm not like a, a human being anymore. Mm. It's like I'm useless mm. because my wife was there mm. and she was also there suffering because he could give her the job with a, um, like a pick digging to make a garden. On new uh, soil, or a woman to make a garden while my wife got a, a baby at the back. Mm. But the money per day it was like 20 rand. I'm, I'm not gonna hide. It was 20 rand. Mm-hmm. So when, when the baby is crying, but my wife need to do the job. The baby need to, her mother. I can't take because also I'm, I'm busy doing another job. Mm-hmm. If my, my son is crying and then he say, this thing is wasting your time because you're not doing job. Mm-hmm. It was like I felt like I am. This is not good for me. But I had nowhere to go. So it's the time when I felt like I'm not a man, I'm just useless because I used to go mm-hmm. and drink. The chance which I can get, drink, drink mm-hmm. and cry. You know that story, Cindy. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And my mm-hmm. wife too crying and then you we couldn't go. At some point, my mother-in-law passed away at home. But my wife and I was supposed to go, but we couldn't. There's no transport. My wife was just crying like that. So, and then I have to, to survive until the time. But it was quite for for 13 years. It's not a joke. Ne? You had no cold it, water. It was it, it was uh, very tough for me. Mm. But each, in process, I've learned a lot. Tell me about what you've learned. I've learned that in life. Don't think that you're useless. You can be somebody else, and you can learn a lot from that. Because the guy was uh, using me to do such such kind of a job, ne? that is difficult job, that uh, you can make a lot of money on, on it. But me, I was doing it for free. Mm. And um, from there now, anybody can give me a job, I'll do the and job. And do then it. I'll do the job. Yeah. That job sometimes needed to go to, to the course, to do the course. Yeah, but me, yeah, it. I did it. If I can do electric, whatever. Mm. I didn't go to school for that. So um, at some point, I thank God that maybe it was like uh, for me to learn something. So, ish. but it was tough. What did you learn, mm. Cindy, about yourself and about life? I learned that uh, even if you are at the lowest whereby you don't trust anything about yourself, there are still people that loves you, mm. welcoming you the way you are. And you can start up all over again. 
at some stage I thought at my age maybe I'm even too old, you know, for things, but Hope Reason have just taught me a lot. I want to talk about intervention. I want to talk about restoration and reintegration because that's so important back to society. Wendy, Wendy, McKillop, thank you so much for being here again. We needed you. We needed you. And you have a BA in health science and social service. So I want to talk about Hope Prison. And when Hope Prison talks about prevention and awareness and intervention, uh, restoration and reintegration, I take this, this is a long-term support structure. As, as I said to Tabitha, for me, it's about human dignity and human self-respect. You know, I think that is the, that's the human spirit for me. So tell me about the work you do in those spaces at our prison. Welcome. Thank you. I think it's important to realize first that the trauma people go through, different people with different personalities, what's a trauma for one may be different to what's a trauma for another person. So it is long term. Um, Absolutely. The kinds of trauma that the men and women who are found in exploitation and trafficking and modern day slavery, I don't think anyone can really understand unless they've gone through it. So for your dignity to be restored after the depths of trauma and degrading and objectification that these victims go through when they are victims. It's not an overnight thing to restore. You've got to restore their dignity. You've got to restore their belief in themselves. You've got to restore their belief in mankind. And also to just let them realize there's always a chance of new beginnings Your past doesn't define you. Even if we may have made decisions which weren't wise to start, that's we all have a story, we've all made mistakes, and that there's nothing that you can't do going into a new life. I think the main thing we find is restoring dignity, Mm. getting rid of the shame. Absolutely. Um, Uh, Is she right, Cindy? Mm. Is she right, but James? Yes, I do. Yes, when do we listen? I think restoring your identity re-establishing your identity as a man or a woman, as an individual, and not allowing your experiences or what cruel people have done to you, not allowing that to determine the rest of your life. So I think once someone realizes their identity is in who they are, I think they can um, actually move on, have a new beginning as new people and not allowing their past to destroy them. So, Cindy, I, I love the fact that you have been in the restoration program. Am I right? Yes. Okay, these are happy times now. Okay, these yeah. are good. These yeah. are a rebirth. That's what I like to call it. Yeah. Tell oh. us about that. Tell us about the restoration program. The restoration is helping me a lot, although sometimes I'm having this panic. There is some places whereby when I go in there or if somebody says something, Wendy knows maybe I just bust out and like then and then say, Wendy, cool down. Mm -hmm. This is not me. I promise you. I said, I'm going to keep your secret. I'm never going to reveal anything about you. It's not. But understand, like, if you are living an open life, Someone else will see something and talk about it. It's not because to of destroying you. It's just mm. to making you strong. And you put James? What, what did you learn at Hope Prison? Where are you, whereabouts are you in the program? Are you in any programs there? Mm, I can say that. Mm. Mm. The problem 
Be honest. Cancelling for me, I don't think it can work for me. Ne? Yeah. But I've learned a lot that uh, I'm a man. Mm. No. And I don't need somebody to disrespect like he, the guy did to me. Absolutely. No, and I, I want to let it happen again because if I see something is going wrong with the, the person or what, I don't, I'm not a, a, a guy that can just keep quiet. I'll, I'll ask you at the same mm. time. Or mm. sometimes if I'm angry, I'm not going to talk to you, whatever you can. Mm. But uh, I've learned that now. I'm a man, so I need to respect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. You, and your computer literacy, are you doing that as well? Yes. Wonderful. Tell us about a little bit about that. I'm coping very well. Are you? And I'm excited. Excellent. And like there's so many new things in hope raising that I'm excited of. And uh, every day now I'm busy, you know, like the feeling of like waking up, we're going mm. somewhere, but not something mm. that is not right. It's giving you pride. It's like I wouldn't even read, but now I can read. It's unlike. I can't read, but like if I'm looking at it, I think this is just too much for me. I must just go and look for money. So, but now my mind is just like, you know, I'm taking books, I read tomorrow. I've got a schedule. How does it make you feel listening to those uh, um, stories about Hope Prison and the effects that it's had? On these individuals, Wendy? I think the last time um, when we did an interview with you, you asked what makes you do this kind of job. Mm. And um, we said it's not a job, it's what we live for. And seeing the the results, you know, and seeing how strong, you know, James and Cindy have become, it makes it rewarding. Mm. You know, just seeing that they knew, they believe in themselves. Both of them are incredible people. And I think that's our reward. In closing, James and Cindy, what is your source of strength and what are your plans for the future? Let's start with you, James. Oh, not ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got such respect. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We'll start mm. off with you, Cindy. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm, I like that. You. Gentlemen. My source of strength is God first. And I'm so lucky that, like, I think a month ago, I just discovered that I'm a daughter of the Most High. And at first, if, if like, when, when you will tell me that I was there, ah, he's just saying it is like, she's a white person, she belongs there. You know, I just, but, you know, like, them praying with me, reading books with me, it just came itself, you know, like, I've got this thing like now somebody's watching me somewhere and how I really wish that even those who are stuck there, like the light, sometimes it comes and just hope, you know. It's not easy though. It's not easy though. It's a challenge. Because at some some stage, there is this small voice that is said, you know, what if I can say short left? You know, maybe I'm going to have a quick bark or something. But still there's this steady voice that, no, you've been there. What have you made? I love that. And James? 
for me, man. Your source of strength and your vision for your new future. Yes, I've got a lot of things, to be honest, because uh, now with the um, hope reason, uh, everything goes uh, perfect for me because um, they do help me a lot. And I thank very much to Tabitha and her family mm. and Wendy. Yeah, because uh, my future looks bright because now I can work, I can be my own boss. To be honest, I don't want to work like a, I used to be. It's beautiful words. I don't want to, to happen again because, uh, yes, I can say I can lose it if I, I can find myself in that situation. But no, before I got, I get there, I will know that no, this is not the situation which I need to be in myself. So I know now that this I can say no, this one is a good thing. So for me, I'm very happy. And also my wife, she's very happy. So it's like we are happy family. So, and no prison is like um, a family member. To, to me, it's not, not like an organization. To me, it's like uh, it's a family <laughs> thing. Né? Don't be afraid to share your stories. It could be the key that unlocks somebody else's prison. Cindy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Did you enjoy so that? Much. Yeah. Is it okay? I have. And I hope everybody can just, you know, I don't know what can I say, but just everybody can like listen to the awareness because human trafficking is real and it's happening. And sometimes you don't see it coming. But James, last words? Uh, for me, it's like, I just thank God. What my sister there is saying is, is true. Yeah, so out there the people must be be careful. Although you never know that it is coming, but I hope this um, series is going to help anybody else out there who is in the same situation because there's a lot of people, me to them, saying that I've been saved. I'm very happy, but there's a lot of people suffering out there. They need help like this, like I've been helped. Uh, for me, it's like to ask anyone else who need to help, can help, so that the people can be free. Everybody deserves to be free rather than to be suffering. There is hope, and every day there are examples of hope and love conquering in all circumstances. Nobody should be allowed to be labeled with a price tag. Everybody has a right to freedom. This is Humans for Sale, a six-part podcast series with Hope Risen Foundation brought to you by Pembani.